Hello, everyone, and welcome to Minute 2 of Season 4 of Move Around Minute, the daily podcast, where we take a hilarious, poignant journey through the 1989 Billy Crystal Meg Ryan rom-com, When Harry Met Sally, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me again today is Jake Cluett of many different uh, podcasts, but most recently of the Con Air podcast. Welcome back to the show, Jay. Thank you, Rob. When my Skype uh, started ringing, I knew it had to be you calling me today. <laughs> that it did. That it did. So today's episode begins with the screen credit of Bruno Kirby and ends with actually I want to change that. Today's episode two begins with the screen credit of Bruno Giovanni Quartacchiola Jr. and ends with the second credit for Nora Ephron. So yesterday we uh, talked a little bit, a little bit about the, uh, you know, the, the first minute of credits of this movie. And today we get another full day's worth of credits. Um, continue. Hurrah! With... <laughs> Continue along with 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 the list of credits that that we you know talked about of what the commonly used order of credits is. Okay, so today we're we're gonna first finish up the uh, the, the the cast. So we get the final credit of the cast. There's only four cast members that are listed here, and the fourth one is Bruno Kirby, who was born as I mentioned earlier as Bruno Giovanni Quadricola Jr. He was uh, born on April 28th, 1949, and he passed away on August 14th, 2016. Okay, besides being in this movie, Bruno Kirby is known for being in City Slickers, uh, Good Morning Vietnam. He was in The Godfather Part Two, Donnie Brasco. Um, he was uh, in This Is Spinal Tap also, which is also another Rob Reiner movie. Now, something I found out that was very interesting about Bruno Kirby is is that he is actually allergic to horses, and which so is because we've been tricky then. Yeah. That's right. He apparently had to take get, get allergic allergy shots every day in order to to remain on the set of City Slickers. So that's pretty interesting. Now, I personally Hi. have some sort of horse uh, allergy also, so you know I found that to be a little interesting. Uh, it, I, I, I'm I do not, not, but I do. I do. I'm not 100 sure. I'm not 100 percent sure if my my allergy is to horses or to like hay or anything like that, but uh, I've I've had some really really bad reactions uh, when I've been on horses. So yeah, I'm sorry. What you were you saying? Stop, you should stop riding horses then. I, I did. Uh, yeah, I, did. I, I, I love. I now just watch Westerns. That's it. He's a, a delight in everything he's in. Uh, when he he passed away in 2006, I it it was tough because he's he's always whenever you see Bruno Kirby in anything, is oh great. This guy's, he's one of those guys who just makes something better. He's a great character actor. He's got a great look to him. I think I first saw him in uh, Good Morning Vietnam. It's a film I saw probably too young uh, when I saw that one. But he's a, he's kind of great as that like a nebbishy, uh Just he's a guy who's he's not as fun as he as he thinks he is. Right. Uh, not as entertaining. I can relate. And I just I really liked uh, his his character in there. It's just no one no one really liking him. It's just kind of put upon. Uh, and he's always just fantastic. Everything he's in, he's always a nice. Uh, I I feel like he and Billy Crystal must have been good friends. He he and, and Billy Crystal were Slickers. best friends, and apparently yeah. they had some sort of falling out right before City Slickers Two came out. 
or, or was oh, made. And that's why he wasn't in City Slickers 2. I, I read that, that that one of the reasons he wasn't in City Slickers 2 was because of the allergy shots that he needed of the horses. But I think it has more to do with the fact that they had a falling out. I don't know what that falling out was. You know, I don't I don't really know uh, what caused that. But uh, it's it's unfortunate because they, they have great chemistry together, both here and in City Slickers. And, uh, you know, he, he was taken too soon from us. You know, he, he died of uh, leukemia, leukemia at the age of 57. Um, what's really interesting, though, is, is that his father, who was also an actor, was named also Bruce Kirby. Uh, sorry, his father's Bruce Kirby. He's Bruno Kirby. But they were both born on the same day. He was no, born on his father's birthday on April 28th. Surely, that if he's junior, they must both be Bruno Kirby. Uh, maybe. No, I think his, oh, no, his father, his father must be Bruno Giovanni uh, Quiticolio Senior, and he's Bruno Giovanni Quiticolio Junior, but he's known as Bruno, and his father's named uh, known as Bruce. No, no. Okay, fine. Yeah. Um, his his father actually, when uh, you know, in in a <laughs> in an episode that will never uh, air, uh, last year. Uh, friend of the show, Todd Liebenau, and I did uh, five episodes for the Standby Minute for of the movie Stand By Me, which uh, didn't didn't work out in the end, but we we still had our five episodes, which I probably should release at some point uh, somewhere. I don't know, but it was, uh, we, it was, we had it was like bonus episodes for this one because it's the same director, right? Well, we had him in that uh, we had his father, Bruno Kirby's father, uh, Bruce Kirby or Bruno Kirby. Senior, however you want to refer to him, was in that scene. He plays the, uh, you know, the the guy who owns the little store that that Gordy goes to 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 buy the provisions. Okay. And uh, the yeah. name of the store is uh, Quarticolo, named after, you know, the the character that named after the actor himself. So yeah. I, yeah. that was very interesting. Now, one of the first um, episode, one of the first acting gigs of Bruno Kirby was in the pilot episode of MASH, the TV show MASH. Uh, shout out to Tierney of the MASH, uh, the MASH Minute, MASH Minute even though yeah. even though I, I don't think she did the, the TV shows, but she did she did talk about them a lot. So, so he was in the first episode. Uh, he played the character Boone, even though he had no lines in, in that. Yeah, Godfather Part 2 was his first uh, kind of big the first film of his I've seen, at least, should we say, um, um, <laughs> as, as young Clemenza. Uh, yeah. Which, yeah. I, when I when I first watched that, I knew who Bruno was. I didn't know he was in Godfather. So it was like, "Grah, fantastic! <laughs> He's in this too. Excellent." <laughs> right. And then the, the next credit we get to is the associate producer Nora Ephron. But we're we're going to wait and talk about her when we get to her next credit, which I think is uh, more Tomorrow? relevant. No, it'll be today. The end of today. Oh, that's the end of today, isn't it? Yes. The end of today. The end of today. Okay. The the next credits. Now, again, for me, as I mentioned yesterday, what was very interesting is the you know the fact that that credits after the the actors are done from least important to most important. So knowing that information, you know, then you look at a movie, and, you know, the credits, and you say, oh, wait a second. So they think that this is less important. <laughs> Yeah, because you know, the, the the first one we get is Nora Ephron as associate producer. So like, why is she considered then, you know, as a maybe maybe it's just a a tacked on credit 
you know, besides the fact that later we'll find out that she's also, you know, the, the writer. Well, isn't associate producer just kind of an honorary title anyway, I think, <laughs> almost. It's it's somewhat of an honorary title, but but some of the, uh, you know, according to the list that I read yesterday, so after you have the cast, you usually have casting director, music composer, costume designer, and then the associate producers. But here they actually even put her before any of those. So is that, you know, is that that they're trying to give her more credit for something or is it that they're taking away the credit? I don't know. Well, yeah, I, I, I would <laughs> like either. to say, I don't know. Exactly. So the, the next credit we get is is the, the music adapted and arranged by Mark Shaman. Shaman, Shaman. I don't know how to pronounce that, really. Um, have, have you ever heard of him before? Uh, no, not at all. Okay. I don't. I don't often. I'm, I'm bad, but I don't pay attention to uh, music and films very often. It's just not something that uh, that I no, tend to notice. Uh, right. So, so, no. so he he's got tons of credits. Okay. He's got 63 uh, credits in the music department. 70 credits on IMDb. He's got 70 credits as a composer, and he has 22 acting uh, credits also. In addition to that, he's listed on 106 soundtrack credits um and all the other uh, self he's 63 but all the others are are, are uh, pretty you know doesn't have that many uh, credits in there but i mean just looking at some of the the stuff that he's composed it's just great i mean a lot of it is connected to uh billy crystal or robert reiner. reiner yeah um he's he's done a lot of movies that are related to both of them he and, did another ellipsis film uh, he did rumor has it in 2005 there you go. And who 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 wrote Rumor, Rumor Has It? Uh, wasn't Rumor Has It a... Wait, wasn't I that a... I don't uh, think that's an Aura Ephron. No, I thought that that was a uh, Rob Reiner film. It is directed by Rob Reiner, yes. Right, okay. It was written by Ted Griffin. Yeah. Right. But I, I haven't seen it. It sounds terrible. Uh, it was fun, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's not... Uh... I didn't realize that was Rob, Rob Reiner. Hit the, like, the last 20 years of Rob Reiner film was a uh, kind of uh, forgettable. About. Yeah, they're not as good as the the original ones. That's for sure. Um, but uh, he was the composer in Misery, and he was a composer for Sid Slickers, and he was a composer for Sister Act, Mr. Saturday Night, A Few Good Men, Sleepless in Seattle. So, you know, it's just... <laughs> they, they keep reusing North. Exactly. Sid Slickers <laughs> 2. Um, Forget Paris. So basically, South, South Park, Big Long Run Car. He did the music and lyrics for. There you go. The the American president. So anything you can think of with uh, Rob Reiner or Billy Crystal, it seems as if he was there. The yeah, American so. World Police. Yeah. So he's 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 got a lot of credits. He's also done TV credits for the for the Oscars and things like that. So, you know, it it, it makes sense that. that oh my he, God! He composed. Did you watch the Hawkeye TV show? The which one? Hawkeye, the Marvel TV show. Hawkeye, yes. I actually just saw it last week. Uh, so, so the song at the end, Save the City, as part of the Captain America musical, yes. uh, he composed it. That's right. I, I Now I, I'm Hell making yeah. that connection. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah he composed <laughs> it. I, I, I just saw it last week. That's really funny. And I, and I noticed at the time that I didn't make the connection between the, the you know, between him being here and there. Right. <laughs> it, was, it was a pretty fun, funny musical. Yeah, it's yeah. not supposed to be a good one. It's supposed no, to be kind of cheesy. And I, yeah. I appreciate it for that and listen to it outside of watching it. Yeah. <laughs> I have downloaded that song. It's great. 
Right. And then the next credit we get is special musical performances and arrangements by Harry Connick Jr. So I had a bit of a, a brain fart with this because looking at Harry Connick Jr. He's like, he was born in in 67. Wait, this film said he was 10 when then this film came out? Because this film was set in 77 at the start. <laughs> a little yes. bit of, wait a minute. He composed this at 10? But no. But still, 22. 22 when he did this. Ridiculous. Yes. Yeah, and, and Rob Renner found him by accident. You know, he was like talking with somebody. Um, I'm trying to remember of what he, he said. He was talking to someone of some band. Uh, I can't remember right now what band it was. And he said, you know who you should work with? You should work with this guy named Harry Connick Jr. He's great. And he's like, all right, I'll take a look at it. And, uh, you know, as they say, the rest is history because Harry Connick Jr. is just amazing in so many things that he does. Um, he's, he's a great composer yeah. and a great. I've got to do a, a, a shout out to the podcast Alka Hollywood. Uh, who every year would celebrate uh, Harry Connicker uh, in in December <laughs> uh, with a, with covering another Harry Connick Jr. film. Uh, I actually just saw a great Harry Connick Jr. film last week, but Independence uh, Day. I uh, know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I saw a movie called Living Proof, but that, that's a uh, it was a, I think a Lifetime uh, movie about uh, about cancer. But it, he he plays the you know the the guy who was able to. Uh, create one of the best, uh, or uh, to create a a drug that is used for for cancer patients for breast cancer patients, and uh, it was it was a great movie. But uh, yeah, and, I, and he I, did I, a nice job in it. That's good. Thing. I I recommend the film Bug, the Michael Shannon uh, Ashley Judd film directed by William Friedkin. He plays kind of a bad guy in that one. Uh, that's a, a film that doesn't get discussed as much as I think it should. Creature Harry Connick Jr. plays a bad guy in something. I think I think he. It's been a while since I've seen that, but I think he's like Ashley Ashley Judd's, uh, like kind of psycho ex boyfriend or something. Yeah. Uh, mm. I remember him being good in it. But I watched Michael Shannon because Michael Shannon's great. Uh, yeah, I think I think he's a better actor to give him credit for. He's not often given the chance to play, uh, uh more antagonistic characters. But then Bug is is an odd film as that who's a bad guy who's a good guy. Um, but I, I first saw him, uh, it, it might have been Independence Day or it was Will and Grace. I kind of was watching them both around at the same time, where he plays the love interest for one of the characters in Will and Grace, which was very good, and he made an impression. And then, of course, Independence Day with Jimmy. <laughs> and then I found yes. out he he plays the piano and a musician as well. What is this? He's he's too talented. Shouldn't be allowed. Let's be that good of an actor, that talented, and that good looking. No, thank you. It's, pick one, pick two, three. Ridiculous. Right. So, Rob Renner found him and uh, used him here. And uh, you know, we, we we didn't discuss this yesterday, but uh, today the the background music continues. Okay. So, what, do you know the song, Jay? It, it had to be you on a it, plinky plonk piano. That's right. <laughs> Now, what do you what do you know about the song? It had to be you. Uh, well, I know that it's it's also in uh, several other films, including Casablanca, which is referenced in this film, and uh, Annie Hall, which feels like it should be referenced in this film. Um, but it, it's you know a pretty well known song. It's been sung by a bunch of people over the time. Uh, I don't know who did it originally. Okay, so it was originally composed by Isham Jones with lyrics by Gus Khan, and it was. Uh done it on May 9th, 1924. That's a long time ago. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, 90, the same year MGM 99 years ago. Uh, by the time we finished this 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 
this season, it'll be 99 full years when we finish in May. Yeah. The same year of the first MGM logo. Yes, that's true. I'm learning things. I remember from yesterday. That's right. There you go. <laughs> and it, it became the number one record in the U.S. and remained that way for five weeks. And in the end of 1924, it was the number four single of the year. And what's great is it's now in the public domain. Um, <laughs> so, it, yes, it's been in a lot of movies. It was uh, the first movie it was used in was a movie called Melody in May from 1936. And then uh, Edward G. Robinson played it on the piano in a movie called A Slight Case of Murder in 1938. And then, as you mentioned, 1942, Casablanca by Dooley Wilson. Um, then uh, there's there's tons of here of, of the movies that it was all listed. I'm not going to go through all of them because there's surprisingly way too many of the them. film. It had to be you. That's true. That's true. <laughs> um, Tina Louise, uh, who played Ginger Grant in uh, Gilgan's Island, she actually uh, sang it on an episode of Gilgan's Island, Forward March from 1966. Um, it was in Annie Hall, as you mentioned. Uh, it was in the movie Crossing Delancey. Have you ever seen that? With Peter no. Rygaard and Amy Irving? So they, nope. they, they danced to that song. And obviously, uh, we know that it's the theme of this movie. And it was also in A League of Their Own, being sung by uh, uh, Megan Cavanaugh. Shout uh, out to another Tierney Still. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's a song that has... Uh, stood the test of time i guess you can say very much so yeah yes but it, it just it had to be what can you do <laughs> so then the credits continue and after we get harry connick jr we get the costume designer gloria gresham but again we're not going to go into all the different costumes that they've all done followed by co-producers you'll, you'll, you'll talk about the costumes as the film goes on i'm sure there's numerous costume changes yes there are but uh, we i usually don't go into costumes as much well, maybe yes. your guests will. Yeah. Maybe you never know. <laughs> you got to talk about the uh, Big Crystal's cable net jumper or something when that when that comes up, <laughs> or how Meg Ryan's character just you know Sally just you know changes what she's wearing. There uh, is apparently a site out there that did a full ranking of every uh, Big Crystal outfit in the film. So interesting. I, I will have to look that up. Thank you. Thank you for pointing that out. But since we haven't seen Billy Crystal yet, so we don't know what he's been. Is he even in this film? Who knows? No, he, he's listed that he's in the film. You know, we haven't seen him. That's true. That's true. Uh, Mike uh, Wachowski. Right. Then we get two uh, co-producers, Jeffrey Stott and Steve Nicolaitis. Okay. Then we get the casting directors, Jane Jenkins and Janet Hershenson. Followed by the film editor, Robert Layton. Uh, then we get the production designer, Jane Muskie. Uh, look at and all then, these people. A lot, a lot of them did a lot of work with Rob Reiner. Yes. I think he must be a, a good guy to work with. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling keeps the I, team. a lot of the people in this movie and in all Rob Reiner, they're, you know, they're, they're part of a team. You're right. There's, there's no question about that. But the, the, the next credit is the one that I actually wanted to get to is the DP. I'm assuming you've, yes. you've noticed that, that, Barry Sonnenfeld, Barry director Sonnenfeld. of Wild Wild West and nothing else. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Men in Black, of course. Yeah, he's a, a director of 24 movies, and he was a cinematographer only on 16 movies, which is which is interesting. You know, meaning when he made the jump, he he did a uh, he committed. Yeah. Yes. 
Uh, I mean, it's it's not all movies. He did. Uh, did you watch the, the the Apple Plus show Schmigadoon? Nope. From uh, Never it's seen a really it. good show. Uh, it's it's only a couple of years old. Um, it's about a, a couple. It's kind of based on Brigadoon a little bit. A couple, uh, Cecily Strong and Keegan Michael Key. They're in, a, they're in a relationship. They're on like a backpacking holiday. They get lost in the woods and they discover a magical town called Schmigadoon where everyone sings all the time. Uh, and it's a lot of fun. I would recommend Schmigadoon. It's a, a musical TV show. Okay. If you like classic <laughs> musicals, then you'll find a lot to appreciate in Schmigadoon. But yeah, he, he directed that. He directed the pilot episode of The Tick, the the pa- Patrick Warburton version yeah. of The Tick I'm, from I'm the 2000s. Fantastic show if you can find it. Wonderful show. Uh, uh, this right, is what wondering. Movies, about funny films? I didn't see them. Didn't in them. movies, he was he was the director of both the Adams Family and Family Values. He did Get Shorty, Men in Black, uh, Men in Black Two, Men in Black Three, Wild Wild West. <laughs> you know, <laughs> which I actually just rewatched a few months ago, and yeah, and because it's great. Uh, no, because I had forgotten how bad it was. No, because it's great. That do you really like Wild Wild West? I I do like it as a bad film. I understand that it is not good, but I still really enjoy it. Okay, is that, is that a movie that you will be uh, adding to your list at Never. some point? Not at all. Not, not, oh, okay. not in the slightest. Uh, I feel like at the end of it, I would hate it. <laughs> um, I do not mm-hmm. intend to cover that one at all. Okay, uh, that's yeah. fair. Yeah. It's it's kind of a shame that uh, Barry Sonnenfeld's most recent film is Nine Lives. Are you familiar with Nine Lives? No. The, f- the film where Kevin Spacey gets turned into a cat? Uh, no. Not for me. No. And uh, not, not uh, interested either. Yeah. <laughs> pass. Hard pass. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Definitely. But uh, so the, the 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 first real movie that, that he was a cinem- the first movie he was a cinematographer on was Blood Simple in nineteen eighty four. Oh. Incredible. Yeah. Yes. Um so and he was also uh, he was the cinematographer on Throw Mama from the Train, Big, uh, this movie, Raising Arizona, Miller's Crossing, yes, Raising Arizona, and such his, a well shot film. His final movie as DP was Misery. Yeah, which I guess sort of makes sense. <laughs> and he was like, never again. <laughs> exactly. I'm done then, with that. And then uh, instead, I'm going to make Wild Wild West. Uh, <laughs> Yes. Then the, the next credit is the producers. You have Rob Reiner and Andrew Scheinman. And then the final credit of this minute is the writer, written by Nora Ephron. Yes. Okay. So what do you know about Nora Ephron? Uh, she wrote a couple of Mike Nichols films before this. Uh, she wrote this one. The character of Sally is is uh, more than loosely based on her, so much so that when she was ordering... Uh, I think she she was overheard ordering a meal at some point, and the person, a stranger, stopped and said, "Have you ever seen when Harry met Sally? You're so much like Sally." The way that you order this meal, and was, <laughs> yes, that is me. You fool, back away. Uh, I am not everyone. Get away from me. Um, she went on from this to to direct a bunch of films, including some Meg Ryan films that we talked about yesterday. Yes, uh, she's a really good writer and. I haven't seen many of the films that she directed, but she's a very good writer. She's fantastic writing the screenplay for whenever it is. Like. Yes. So she was born on May 19th, 1941, and passed away on June 26th, 2012, uh, of a, a, a rare form of uh, blood cancer. Okay. She was 
the you, you mentioned that that she had written some Mike Nichols movies. One of the ones that she wrote was based on her own life. Yes, uh, okay. that's right, Heartburn, yeah. where because she she had been married to Carl Bernstein from All the President's Men. You know, what or not? Sorry, Carl Bernstein wasn't from All the President's Men. The character, anyway. yeah. yeah. No, she was married to the real Carl Bernstein, who was a yes. reporter. Who but he's the, the, that character is in? Yes. In, she's not, yes. married to whichever one of the two actors played them. I can't remember. Um, that was, uh, I believe, uh, Bernstein was Dustin Hoffman. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So apparently he cheated on her, and uh, she decided to write a. Uh, I, I think she actually wrote a novel first about it, and then that was adapted into a movie by Mike Nichols, uh, starring Mel Streep and Jack Nicholson. Uh, apparently, uh, her ex-husband actually wanted to sue her for defamation for the number of things that she says and does in the in that movie or in the script, but uh, nothing nothing ever really happened with it uh, in the end. She apparently well, that's also, kind of confirmation that everything in that film is true. Yes, <laughs> that that makes sense. Yes, he I'm sorry he threatened to sue her, but he never did. You know because. <laughs> Because in the book, she wrote that her husband, that the character's husband, was capable of having sex with a Venetian blind. <laughs> and then she also oh, wrote that the character that sounds who, so painful. Yes. <laughs> that the character who um, who her husband was having an affair with looked like a giraffe with big feet. <laughs> That's how she described her. <laughs> More stable, I guess. Yes. Um, she apparently was one of the few people who actually knew the the true identity of Deep Throat from from the uh, from all the President's Men. Apparently, okay. uh, her ex husband Carl Bernstein and Bob Woodward uh, at some point mentioned it to her that it was uh, no, they they said that the name was MF, which stood for my friend, but she figured out that it was uh, Mark Felt, who was the associate director of the FBI, and apparently after she got divorced. She told her son and anyone else who asked, you know, that it was Mark Felt. She said that, uh, a quote, I would give speeches to 500 people and someone would say, do you know who Deep Throat is? And I would say, it's Mark Felt. <laughs> I guess at that but point, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> no, but no one, no one believed her. She said no one besides her sons believed her. And, uh, you know, and it was only, uh, they only mentioned it after Felt died. That he was deep throat, and that was uh, you know decades later. So she was going around telling everybody that it was him, and no one believed her, which is pretty funny. But it's MF, it's Samuel L. Jackson. That's right, that's right. And then afterwards, she got married in 1987 to Nicholas Pileggi, mm -hmm. who is a screenwriter. Do you know what he is a screenwriter of? Oh, the name rings a bell. It's a TV show, uh, I think. No. no. Okay, the name rings a bell, but I can't picture it. Oh, come on. I, I have more faith in you, Jay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to Google it. I don't know. Oh, you're going to Google not... it. If you Google it, you're yeah. going to eventually, you're obviously going to find it out. Oh, good fellas. God damn it. There you go. <laughs> I knew I recognized it. I think I had the novel. <laughs> I knew I recognized the name. Yeah, but it, did, it didn't say that it was, uh, you know, that it, it was Miss, Mr. Nora Ephron. It should. It should say. Oh, it should it's good. Being Mr. Nora. It should. <laughs> I didn't accidentally said that. Um, yeah, he also wrote Casino. Um, he, he didn't write very many. He wrote City Hall. Uh, and then a whole bunch of TV shows. 
but they, they all have to do with the mob. That's what it comes yeah, down to. Makes he's, sense. he's an expert on the mob, apparently. He, he produced the Irishman. So, yes. Yes. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, that, that's pretty much all I have to say about uh, this minute. Did you have anything else you wanted to, to talk about here? Uh, no, we, we covered it all. Yeah, that's all the everything stuff. Yeah. All right. So once again, the script has no mention in this uh, in in this minute. But tomorrow, it probably I, has Nora Ephron's name on it. But that's that is it, which I mentioned, right? Which I mentioned yesterday. Yeah. That, uh, but tomorrow we will start getting into the script, and there, there will are, be footage tomorrow. Yes, tomorrow we'll actually see characters and people talk. Who knows? So every Tuesday we have a segment called Off the Beaten Track Dating Courting Edition, uh, where my guests will give some sort of story adventure, misadventure, something that happened to them over the course of their lives that's somehow related to either dating or courting. So, Jay, you got a story for us? Yeah, so I am uh, what would be uh, politely referred to as a late bloomer in the romance department in that uh, I have had one romantic partner in my life, and that is my wife. And that was... Uh, There's uh, nothing wrong with that. Why is that a bad thing? I, um, but all, all, this is like we we started dating after I'd finished university. So like prior to that, everything was like I'm focused on studying. How do these people have time for a partner? There's so much work to be done, and it really paid off because I hate my job. Uh, so uh, I'm glad I'd I'd spent all of that youth not having any kind of fun. Anyway, so <laughs> <laughs> after so uh, my wife and I we met uh, through. A friend of a friend it's not an exciting story so i don't have a lot of romance stories is basically what i'm saying but i thought i'd tell you the story of how i proposed so spoiler alert she said yes we got married uh but i'll tell you the story anyway uh, we got on a holiday to the uh the peak district which is in the north of the uk it's a lot of beautiful landscape lovely place to go uh she had been dropping hints for a while of like if you were to propose here are some rings that i might like she has a she had a pinterest board full of wedding rings so i ordered <laughs> i ordered one uh, and it didn't show up. It did not arrive before we went on a holiday, uh, which was a shame. So I had to do a backup plan, which was I did a lot of origami as a kid. This may explain also why I didn't have a lot of romantic entanglements. I don't know. Uh, but I thought, um, she's the fan of the origami that I do. She works in craft kind of companies. So I thought I'll make her a origami ring before we go, saying like, there'll be a proper one coming, but this is like a little token until that arrives. Some of your listeners are already saying, like, this guy's an idiot. What are you, what are you even doing? Just wait for the real ring. But this is the plan I made. And the only problem was I didn't have time to get any instructions to make the ring before we went away. Things came up at work and stuff. But I thought, okay, where we go away? I'll find instructions online. I'll use that. We get to where we're going. No internet. No phone signal where we're staying. Nothing at all. Uh, so we ended up, while well, she was getting some shopping... Uh, I stayed in the in the car in the car park with our dog, and I was using the Wi-Fi from a supermarket to find the instructions to make the ring. Worked out fine. Made the ring. Great. We then go on a nice walk uh, to this place called Lover's Leap, and I thought, perfect. This this place looks really nice. It's called Lover's Leap. It's gonna be a great place to to kind of propose. We love going on walks together with our. Um, it's just uh, thought it'd be a nice place to go, and we get there. Very crowded, like hugely crowded people. But the walk we're doing kind of is an out and back. So we go out on the way back as uh, kind of sun's dipping down. It's looking all beautiful. Just as I'm about to kind of ask, a huge family show up, the loudest people I've ever met. Just kind of ruin the moment. Just kind of ruin the moment. And I 
<laughs> God damn it. So we keep walking and uh you probably know this, Rob. I'm a very irritating person. Uh, it's it's easy to to be <laughs> be annoyed with me. My wife gets irritated yeah, all the time. Uh, um, well, you and I have never met in person, so maybe you don't know. Uh, but yeah, I'm 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 quite irritating. Uh, nah. She tells me all the time. And uh, I hadn't been purposefully winding her up on the walk, but she was getting quite frustrated that I kept on asking her lots of questions. Uh, just I I just unintentional. I don't know why. It just was happening on the day. Uh, but we we got to a nice view at one point, um, which was a, a field full of cows and sheep. But uh, we, we, we like wildlife. And I just thought, uh, the thought struck me. And I just kept on asking her loads and loads and loads of questions for a while. And she's getting so frustrated with me. I was like, okay, just one more question. I got down to one knee and I proposed to her. And she said yes. Well, at, uh, least, at least she didn't start screaming at you right before you did that. True. Yes. Uh, a massive group of people didn't show up again and, and ruin the moment again. But yes, she did. Yes. And then we spent the whole drive back planning the wedding, uh, which maybe that'll be my story on Thursday. Maybe I'll tell you about the wedding. Who knows? Maybe. Uh, <laughs> that's what I decided to have like, you back on Thursday. I might get annoyed with you. Right we'll there. see. You never know. Or vice versa. <laughs> I'm sure you will. <laughs> All right, that's, that is a great story, Jay. I don't know why you 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 downplayed it. It's it's a great story. What? I, I just don't have lots of like dating misadventures. Oh, I went, I went on this one day. It was so bad because I didn't. I went on. Uh, I I dated my wife and everything went well and we we love each other very much. All right. So, okay. I don't have that's, lots of misadventures. Why not? They're <laughs> very fortunate. That still uh, works in the dating. Yeah. You know, it doesn't it doesn't have to be a story that that uh, that doesn't work. It's just you know stories that work out are. are like, we went out for dinner and we went and saw a film and it was nice. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that <a> really good? Story? <laughs> yes, those are the type of stories we're looking for, Jay. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> All right, do you want to once again tell people how they can get in touch with Jay Cluett? Yeah, so I mentioned Connor the podcast yesterday. My other podcast is Deep Blue Sea, the podcast with myself and Mark uh, Mark Hoffman. We went through the Deep Blue Sea trilogy, one DVD chapter at a time. Yes, there's three Deep Blue Sea films. Uh, so far, maybe there'll be more, who knows? Um, but you can find out on Deep Blue Sea hyphen the podcast. We've finished doing those films now, but the podcast still lives. We're doing Deep Blue Sea adjacent films, which is films featuring sharks or directed by Rennie Harlan or taking place mostly at sea. Uh, so Rob was on to talk about one of Rennie Harlan's, Rennie Harlan's first film, Born American. Yes. Uh, I feel it was better than expected, uh, given that no one. Wait, the movie no or a conversation? Both. Both. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Uh, no, it was it was a great conversation about a film that I'd never heard of and and quite enjoyed. And uh, so other other we've done shows on like Muppet Treasure Island is a recent one that we're recording, which is deeply suggesting because it's at sea, and all of the Jaws sequels, uh, mainly focusing on films that I hadn't seen before. Um, but we're having a lot of fun, and there's kind of occasional bonus episodes on on new releases or uh, the Star Wars Phantom Menace uh, Sea Creatures episode was a fun one. But yeah, deeply see the podcast. All of your deep blue seas sea needs can be found there. All right, great. And once again, uh, you can find me very simply by doing a quick search for a Move Around Minute. You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on my website, movearoundminute.com, or you can find me on Facebook. So, Jay, you feel like uh, coming back again tomorrow? I'd love to. I want to see some people in this goddamn film. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So until tomorrow, I'll have what she's having. <laughs> I'll have what she's having. Gave me a thrill With all your faults I love you still It had to be you Wonderful you Had to be you